Hello everybody, my name is Simon Strauby and the issue being addressed today will be U.S. foreign policy and immigration. I feel that it is important because of the great effect our nation's leaders have when they intimidate and discourage relations with other countries and foreign immigrant affairs in general. Anyways, I'm not going to leave you in the dark any longer, so without further ado, I present Get Out of Town or Stay If You Dare. Just what exactly is foreign policy? It is America's responses and opinions on their business with other countries. A more in-depth definition would be America's interactions with foreign nations and foreign organizations and systems exclusive to U.S. affairs, including travel, trade, military relations, financial support, and social aid. This is crucial to not only the structure of America's democracy, but for all countries' governments because of the clarity it provides as to what will be done for and with different nations. Sadly, some countries do not even recognize such foreign policies and relations, which is a factor to why there is so much argument and violence happening in the world right now. Foreign nations in the U.S. are predominantly controlled and managed by the president. Included in the category of foreign policy is the ability to control the number of refugees and illegal immigrants coming into America. This factor is dependent on the president's beliefs on the issue. Donald Trump, for example, had an extremely harsh and restrictive outlook on the influx of immigrants because of what he thought it would do to the American economy. In a speech he gave on May 16, 2019, regarding Mexico, Trump stated that we're already building the wall and we should have close to 400 miles by the end of the year. Additionally, he declared that his plan expedites relief for legitimate asylum seekers by screening out the meritless claims. If immigrants have a proper claim, they will be quickly admitted. If they don't, immigrants will promptly be returned home. Just four days later, Trump signed and authorized a travel ban known as the Muslim ban, prohibiting entrance into America by people from the countries of Iraq, Iran, Syria, and Somalia. There were many protests following this action, but nonetheless, it was approved and made a part of American foreign policy. Donald Trump's aim was to curb the number of incoming immigrants and refugees to as few as possible. Now, for the elephant in the room, what will President-elect Joe Biden do about this issue once he takes over the presidency? Biden addressed this topic many times during the presidential debates and his campaign. He made his multiple implications that he would be accepting more immigrants into the U.S. than President Trump had. He hopes to increase residency opportunities for them as well. In an interview inquiring about his stance with regards to foreign affairs and immigration, he stated, I am going to send a legislative immigration reform bill to Congress to provide a roadmap to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants who contribute so much to this country. My immigration policy is built around keeping families together and ending Trump's cruel and inhumane policy at the border to rip children from their mother's arms. I will take immediate action to protect DREAMers, including the more than 100,000 eligible DREAMers from East and South Asia. I am in support of rescinding the American Muslim ban, restoring refugee admission in line with the values and historic leadership in our country. Raising the target line to a minimum of 125,000 people a year, and working with Congress to establish the bipartisan legislation to ensure a minimum admission of 95,000 refugees. I think that we, with these decisions and protocols that Biden will be enacting, 
the opportunities for foreign immigrants getting accepted into America will be drastically improved. Now, I'd like to discuss the effects immigrants have on America's economy. People do not seem to realize the importance and significant effect that immigrant workers have on the economy, and if they were prevented from living and working in America, that the U.S. economy would instantly suffer a large-scale and damaging economic depression. According to data presented by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, CBPP, in 2018, 63.4% of immigrants who are participating in labor compared to the lesser number of native citizens in the U.S., with only 59.8% participating in labor. Without immigrant workers in America, the manufacturing, farming, and transportation industries would take a huge financial hit and most likely have to endure a complete financial restructuring of how they operate. Now, for a special guest in this episode, Mr. Christian Kobos, who is somebody affected by the policies of DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, will talk with us about how DACA has affected him, his stance on DACA, and immigration policies in America, and what changes he would make towards it. Hi, um, my name is Simon, and I'll be talking to you about um, questions I have about the DACA program. Sure. Uh, all right. Of course. So question one. What was most concerning to you over the past four years as someone from DACA? What was most concerning the last to, four years? To well, you. To me. Oh. Yeah. To the, the biggest concern for me was uh, not having legal status. Yeah. Just uh, having no control mm-hmm. over what happened uh, in the Senate, in the House, right? Not being able to vote. Yeah. I'm just pretty much left to be voiceless. To everyone else right yeah and so it was for me it was um that not not being able to have a pathway to citizenship right yeah. so just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen so yeah mm-hmm. that was my biggest concern and of course without status i can't teach right so yeah um so that was my biggest concern keeping my legal status yeah. but also keeping my job at the same yeah. time yeah okay and uh, what do you anticipate happening with regards to DACA as Biden comes into office? You know, now that Biden came into office, I'm more optimistic. Yeah. But um, I, I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure if the country's ready for something so progressive yeah. like pathway to citizenship. Yeah. And that was evident with these last elections, it right? Um, it was kind of eye-opening for me to see how many people are still not supporting DACA. And, 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 you know, and it just got, got pretty nasty and divided. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm optimistic, and I'm hoping that Biden will push for that because, you know, he did campaign and promise that. But I'm not sure if the country is ready for that in terms of actually passing something that goes through the Senate and the House. If anything, I'm hoping that he might just sign an executive order yeah. to bypass that. But yeah. I'm staying optimistic, but... Not too optimistic. Yeah. And final question. If you could make two changes to foreign policy and affairs in America involving immigrants, what would they be and why? If I could make two changes in policy and what was the second part? Policy and affairs in America. What would they be? Um, I would say actually creating a pathway to citizenship. um, I, I still don't think that many people know what it takes to apply for citizenship. And, and obviously that's because Americans are born with it, right? They're born yeah. with American citizens. So I think uh, some sort of way to actually make expedite the process 
because there is a process in place right now, but it's not, it's not effective. You know, I applied for citizenship in 2001. Here mm -hmm. it is, 2020. Yeah. And I'm not even a resident yet, you yeah. know? So actually creating a real pathway to citizenship that is actually effective and allows people to come into the country for many reasons, not only because they're, they're um, trying to escape violence, but maybe just because they want new opportunities, right? So actually yeah. creating a system that doesn't only prioritize the type of people they yeah. want to this country, right? Kind of more yeah. open to everyone and uh, more effective in terms of yeah. time, right? Because it takes forever right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I always tell people, it's kind of like going to the DMV, you get your number yeah. and then you sit in, that, in those chairs for 20 years. Yeah. Right, and it's you can't go up to the front of the line and like, excuse me, here I am. Yeah. You, know, you just gotta wait your turn. And now with COVID and everything, yeah. all the embassies shut down, uh, immigration offices shut down. So people that were getting called after twenty years of being in line for their interview, all of a sudden, everything's put on hold until God knows when. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I would say that would be my biggest change, actually implementing some sort of pathway to citizenship. The other thing I would say is um, educating people yeah. on uh, you know, the process of becoming a citizen because I, I think so many people take it for granted and they don't, they don't value the fact that they're citizens because like I said, it's something that many people are born with and so they don't think about it much and so I think just educating people on how hard it is and and um, that way if once they're educated they'll get rid of all these theories that they, they're like oh well I've heard this I've heard that yeah if you come and uh, you have to speak English or yeah. if you come you have to have a degree like all these things that people hear but they're never sure about it because they've never yeah. gone through the process themselves so I would say the biggest change educating people and implementing a real pathway to citizenship okay um, and eventually I would say allowing DACA people to vote. Yeah. Right? Because we're given the opportunity to drive, we're given the opportunity to work, we pay taxes, we do everything a real citizen would do other than have the right to vote. So for me, if I could vote, that would be a huge difference. Yeah. So maybe, I would say maybe those, that other yeah. than educating, giving DACA recipients citizenship, and with that comes the right to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you. Well, I'd like to thank all listeners today as we discussed and analyzed America's foreign policy regarding immigrants and immigration affairs. I hope that by listening to this, you've learned more about American foreign policy. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day.